you said make a bath, right? Yeah. You That's know, what I heard. Like, no, Catherine, literally, I heard make a bath. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with my brain, but I heard make a bath. I did not hear the other thing, which is amazing. No, um, Jinxes got it. <laughs> I, no, I'm saying like, I just like, I, I literally did not hear it. Like, I, I now intellectually understand based on Patrick's reaction, what you must have said. <laughs> I'm recording, by the way. Um, but I heard make a bath. <laughs> Break a leg. <laughs> we've, we've started, ladies and gentlemen, this is the No Pro Review crew. I think that goes all in the, the thing. Um, Should I also say Candyman into the mirror how many times? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go give it a try up. and let us know? Okay, yeah. cool. Should I, I'll, 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 we'll keep rolling. I'll keep my mic hot. <laughs> keep your mic hot. Just get a mirror. Get a mirror by. I still want to see that. I can't wait till that movie comes out. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Wednesday night. We're about 15 minutes late, but this is the No Pro Review crew. I'm Noah Nelson, uh, the founder and publisher and host of uh, No Persinium. I guess that's how we say it around here, right? Uh, Anyway. Uh, this is the show where the team comes through, talks about some of the stuff that they've been seeing and makes the case for what's going to be the pick of the week. That is what we do on the new review crew show now, as of this week, it's like our own version of chopped. Um, today, those of you who are live are going to hear people popping in and out. Some people will be uh, coming in a little bit later right now. We're going to start off with, uh, no pro Catherine, AKA Catherine, you we're in the discord. So I'm using our discord names. Uh, uh, Catherine, you are executive editor, uh, who, uh, just got in off the show. Say hi, Catherine. Hello everyone. And Patrick McLean, who is our Chicago curator and who is doing uh, an increasing amount of traffic for the reviews these days. Uh, that's a, that's a newspaper man term. Hey there, Patrick. Hey there. Thanks for having me as always. Oh yeah. We're going to get you a proper title title at some point. So here's how this is going to roll. Uh, we're going to start with Catherine because she's just fresh off a show. She didn't even think she was going to be arriving here today. Uh, <laughs> Catherine, uh, what did you, uh, what did you just, uh, get in off of? Oh my gosh. So I guess about 15 minutes ago, uh, I finished Lovers Anonymous which is part of Candle House Collective's Firestarter initiative, really just kind of like an incubator for new upcoming immersive creators. And so it's really interesting because I want to say I've done several Candle House shows in the past, and then I think this is the first one that wasn't written by Evan. It was written by Katie Murphy, and, uh, you know, Obviously, Evan was involved, and a lot of the normal Candle House regulars were involved. But, yeah, um, is it weird to say that Candle House Collective, and just bear with me for a second. So, I think this is a very unformed theory that I just thought of, like, last night this morning. I feel like Candlelight, Candle House is kind of like the M. Night Shyamalan of Immersive sometimes. Because in a in a in a good way or a bad in a way? Good way because, because, because you know which, which M Night are we talking about? Yeah, here? what era is this? You know, you is really this a village. You know, like what are we doing here? Is it old? Come on, Catherine, you know better. <laughs> the first time that you saw something by Shyamalan and you didn't know there was going to be a twist, or when like. When it's really well executed, you know there's going to be a twist. 
maybe it's telegraphed to you and you pick up on it or you don't. But then when that twist finally comes around, it's just like emotionally, just like ripping your heart out kind of thing. I would concur with that. I think what really they do well at, uh, at Candle House is making sure that that twist does land, that it does have that emotional resonance to carry you through. I remember I did one with the guy calling into the radio station. I, I'm sorry. Oh, good morning. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Lulled into a stupor, like you're hypnotized for 40 minutes, and then the twist comes, and you're like, oh, no. Well, that, <laughs> that was one where I actually felt it was a little telegraphed, that I knew, you know, he, that character was going to be the center and things like that, but it was still nevertheless very rewarding because the performance was so engaging and the moment, everything built perfectly thematically and uh, production to that moment and it executed it really well. So I, I totally see what you're saying that I think that whether they, and I remember he, uh, Candle House was recently featured during one of the spring fling and I kind of asked like, do you, what comes first, story or like hot? And there was a bunch of uh, kind of hot and horror creators on there. And I think they were definitely ones where uh, they definitely start with that story and build to it. And I mm -hmm. thought that was a very kind of interesting observation. Right. It's not horror in the sense of chainsaw, murder, uh, explicit monster all the time. I think it's more horror like, look what we have found about the human condition kind of horror. Yeah, the horror within. Yeah. yeah. That was super, super grounded. So, so you're in the afterglow. Or the after gloom? Would it be after gloom? Or the after chaos? <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, so this three day experience unfolds over a series of nine encounters. Uh, even like a year or eighteen months ago, I think the tool that they were using most in their toolbox at Candle House was, was the telephone. And on occasion, there'd be some texting and maybe some links. Uh, it's expanded a little bit more in terms of telephone, but also uh, potentially video calls in addition to text message conversations. Um, and it's nine separate encounters, so about 60 to 90 minutes over the course of three consecutive days. And the premise is that you have been brought in as an unbiased American to, to kind, kind of, of lay judgment on this case of these two women who are in a relationship in a society called Amit where romance is forbidden and it's a true meritocracy where you know it's supposed to be like a society without sexism and without racism but one of the gotchas is you can't have romantic relationships and these two characters have been caught having had that clandestine relationship and they're arguing about what's going to happen. So, can I, yeah. Can I just say, I think, I think this may appeal to both uh, Patrick and myself uh, because of our Star Wars nerddom and uh, romance is forbidden uh, between uh, Jedi, of course. So, uh, you know, you, you had me at forbidden romance. Also, <laughs> just, just a technical note, uh, there's some rustling on your microphone, Catherine, so I don't know if this, you know. Oh, it's probably me and the fact that uh, I don't actually have my external mic plugged in. Gotcha. No <laughs> it doesn't mean it was something that came 
<laughs> no worries. Just want to make sure. Uh, but yeah, Patrick, uh, you open your mic because uh, I mentioned uh, Jedi. It's, it's, I, I was going to make more of a joke along the lines of uh, a perfect society gone wrong. What? Who would have thought that the I know. plan was utopia? Yeah. 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 Utopia, no romances. Yeah, I've uh it's 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 actually mm, it's more fertile ground than you'd think in so many ways. Mm-hmm. In so many ways. And uh, so you're the American who's supposed to help them decide if they should choose to stay in Ahmet. Or choose exile to America. So America is the punishment. Oh, wait, that's the choice? <laughs> to, like, stay somewhere, like, with a utopia where you can't have emotions or go to America? Oh, man. I guess I'm Part of America. It, it's, America. It's a little vague. Um, one of the characters seems more interested than the other. And you, the participant, are supposed to be the expert, right? So they're like, what's it like? Uh, what's dating like? What's food like? What, like, what, what, because they don't have culture in Amit, and apparently they only have two types of food in Amit, but they also don't have systemic racism. So, uh, one of the characters is white, and the other character is black, and so when the black character is asking, do you think I could get ahead, that my career won't suffer, that I can really rise to the level of my ambition, like, it's a really hard question to answer as an American, knowing that she's a black woman. Oh, wow. And if she stayed where she was, she could climb to the highest ranks of that society. But And if she left because of love, who knows what might happen? Yeah, like, she could, she could never pursue love, but she, she could. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's different from horror. Like it's, it is horrifying in, in the sort of existential crisis way. As, as I think you were like kind of saying earlier, but it's, I mean, that's in some ways that's just like, you know, that's moral drama. That's drama. That's deep, deep drama. Of course they describe it as a rom-com on the site. Rom-com. I'm like, really? Oh my God. A candle has a rom-com? Well, I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Oh my lord! Technically, right. legally, there is romance to be found. <laughs> yeah, wowzers. Okay. Um, so well, you know what? For fascinating for, work. Totally for, fascinating. <laughs> and they know their audience, and and for and and for for their audience, that might be a, a rom com romp right there. Wowzers, wowzer bowsers. Um, who? Um, uh, I'm going to have, uh, uh, Catherine, anything else uh, before? Also, uh, tag this one again. What, the name of this one again is? So it's Lovers Anonymous by Candlehouse Collective. Uh, I believe the run is basically over. Uh, uh, the thing with Candlehouse is that the throughput is so small that they will often sell out entire runs within hours of making an announcement. So I think this is the last week of the show. So it's it's kind of tough to... Uh, to get a ticket if you don't already have one. The the and I think the, the, the takeaway on Candlehouse is is if you're listening to this and what you heard sounds intriguing and you want to uh, take a gamble, uh, jump into their next session. Uh, you know, you probably want to follow them directly because of those small runs. Uh, you know, we do put that into the newsletter, we do put it on EI, 
But even sometimes then, uh, they have such a deep fan base that it's often disappeared before. Hey there, Noah here. Uh, before we get into this next section, we have to do a disclaimer. Uh, because what happened was uh, right after we uh, finished recording, um, Patrick uh, discovered there was an email in his inbox from the producers of Shadow of the Run uh, that it had come to their attention that a member of the 630 group on uh, Saturday the 10th uh, had tested positive for COVID. Um, the individual was fully vaccinated. Their symptoms presented on Monday evening following the performance, and they uh, tested positive this morning. So this was sent uh, on the 14th of, uh, of July. Um, we want to make a, a couple of notes here. One, uh, Patrick's fine uh, at, the, at present. Uh, it's day five since possible exposure. He's going to get tested on Saturday. Uh, we'll keep everyone informed about uh, his condition. I, of course, am uh, mortified because, uh, you know, I don't like sending my people uh, into, I don't, I, yeah. So, uh, but here's the flip side of it. Um, we are not angry, uh, neither myself nor Patrick. Patrick's the one that matters, really. Um, <laughs> we are not angry uh, with the producers of Shadow of the Run. Um I had a, a long talk with uh, Ben uh, over there uh, last night, uh, letting him, uh, you know, asking him some more questions, letting him know that we were going to be like, hey, man, we got to tell everybody uh, that's just the way it's going to be. So don't don't be shocked when we do. Um, he took that totally well. Um, everyone's being super transparent. Um, uh, according to Ben, uh, you know, he trusts that the person who says they were vaccinated was indeed vaccinated. Uh, Patrick was probably exposed to the person uh, in, in an enclosed environment for about 10 minutes, uh, eight, eight to 10 minutes during the finale. Um, and indeed, like we said, this person was uh, this person was vaccinated. Some other people apparently have gotten tests uh, so far negative. Of course, exposure events being what they are, we, we don't expect there to be a state change until Saturday or, or beyond. Um, the production is doing has done followed all the CDC guidelines. Uh, they're, they're doing it by the book. The same thing that anyone who's operating a bar or restaurant right now is doing wherever they are. Uh, they are being super transparent, which is all we can ask from everyone at the moment. And um, it is an incredibly frustrating and scary situation to be in. It is a big reminder that we are not done with this yet. Uh, it definitely makes me question whether or not we should have our team members on the field uh, covering things. Uh, definitely a damned if we do, damned if we don't moment. Um, I'm, you know, I myself, I've been at, uh, you know, inside of Megamart. Uh, there were lots of people there. <laughs> definitely times when I was like, I'm, I was fully aware I was rolling the dice. Uh, you know, I went to Brassroots District, uh, much smaller people outside. Definitely felt like I was, you know, that the dice were a lot less loaded as I was throwing them doing that. Um, and I and I have to. Well, Patrick will be on next week to talk about uh, this. I'm going to I'm going to ask him. You know, God's willing, nothing happens and we can have him on to talk about. Uh, he was saying, hey, I'd, I'd be willing to join the recording uh, of this part today. Uh, but you know, schedules being what they are, there's there's just no time for this uh, for that. Um, but we will we will have him back on uh, as soon as possible. Um, I wanted to be as transparent as possible with all of you. 
Um, yeah, as you can tell, Patrick really I- enjoys the show. Sorry, that's a spoiler. If, um, you know, not so important the spoiler at the moment. Uh, but it it would it would be wrong of us not to note this. Uh, there is an asterisk on this one. But again, uh, the producers are being transparent. They're letting us know that puts Patrick's able to put himself on alert. Obviously, you know, we won't be dispatching Patrick to anything for at least two weeks, assuming that he wants to go to something again. Um, he's really good reviewers. I hope he does, but that's me being completely selfish. I hope this does. I don't want him to get COVID. I also really don't want him to get COVID. I do not want that at all. Um, even in a, like a mild thing. Um, look, this Delta, this Delta variant is, is, it's no joke. All right. Um, we got to watch our, our posteriors here. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I know that there's, there's productions that are doing like various level of like mask and vax and vax vaccine, you know, check. Uh, there's a lot of cultural pressure right now. She just go along, get along. We're in, we're feeling that too. Right. Like I said, damned if we do, damned if we don't, there are things happening. We cover things. What are we going to do? So, so that's where we find ourselves. Um, and there's just the, the matter of like, you know, we all do want our lives to, to get on. Um, if, if you want to hold a higher standard, go for it. I hope you do want to hold a higher standard. Uh, if you want to, if you are a producer and you want to tell people, Hey, we want to check and it's legal in your state to like check people's vax, you know, status, go for it. I know there are states where they are making that illegal. It makes no sense whatsoever. I'm not going to get political here. You want my politics, go on my Twitter. You'll get an earful. I, I try not to do that here, but, uh, yeah. So again, Patrick is fine. Presently, we are watching him carefully. He's getting tested this weekend. We'll have an update on his condition. We're in contact with the producers, hoping that they let us know if anything happens with their cast or any other members of the audience. Heck, I want to know if something happens with member this member of the audience. And again, Everyone was following the letter of the rules, following the CDC guidelines, and there's still an exposure event. Okay? That's what you need to know. That's what we know. That we're hoping for the best. And it is it is a die roll every time. Every time I go out, all of us, it's still a die roll. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Keep yourself safe. All right. On with the show. I'm going to pivot over to Patrick. Kevin, go ahead and join uh, uh, into the, the round as you can. Uh, we're going to go Patrick, and then we'll get you, and Blake will be joining us later. Patrick, uh, you left your home in Chicago, and uh, no pressure, but a couple of the <laughs> couple of the creators are listening live. Just yeah, want to know. Is that why I've broken into a cold sweat all of a sudden? Perhaps you have. Is your ear burning? Yeah. (laughs) Um, That that might be it. Um, Yeah, no. So I uh, had truly the great pleasure of having an opportunity very much in uh, 
my life, the stars aligned to allow me the opportunity to drive out to Cleveland uh, to check out Dreamwalkers from uh, Shadow of the Run, uh, who has been a company that has done a two productions at least, if I remember reading the uh, information online. Uh, I'm sure I've gotten something wrong already, and they're like shaking their head. Uh, sorry, Christine and Ben. Uh, but it's they've been working on this kind of collective universe narrative where the shows are subtly sometimes very directly by you know chapter one chapter two connections or they all kind of involve uh important and key local lore history to cleveland uh and exploring things like that in particularly the show i saw dealt with uh, a young woman whose name is chloe on earths that sh her family most likely has a connection and knew the Cleveland torso murderer who, as I think you can put two and two together, what that crime was about. Um, and it's a, a very kind of famous local crime in regards to that, who remains unsolved to this day. And actually as a Chicago connection, uh, the FBI is, was the FBI, FBI? I don't remember. Uh, Elliot Ness. FBI at the time, yeah. Yeah. Elliot Ness was called in to uh, be the investigator and try to make heads or tails of it. And uh, apparently that gets glossed over in his history that he did not close that case. Uh, you, you get put in one David Mamet movie and everyone thinks you're Kevin Costner for the rest of history. Um, but here nor there with regards to Kevin Costner, uh, it was a really wonderful show. I had a really great time going out there. Uh, they were kind enough to let me see it twice uh, because essentially in the it's about an hour long experience. And the first 30 minutes, there's two separate paths um, in regards to it. So Chloe, of course, she uncovers this information that uh, she has this uh, horrific connection to possibly to the murderer and it just plagues her dreams and her nightmares and she has trouble sleeping so the audience takes on the role of these dreamwalkers these essentially spirits who work with you know memories or subconscious or maybe something of a more spiritual sense uh to kind of circumnavigate both the history of what happened along with you know her family's actual interactions and some very personal stuff because conveniently dramatically she is also at a dramatic crossroads in her own life that mirrors her family's past as well in a very specific way and it, it was really cool you know you get split up and we walk around and we're in actually it was not in cleveland but uh bedford falls which is a suburb uh, you know a town outside of of Cleveland proper and it was a very kind of old Americana small town feel to it you know there's like clearly the main road and all the buildings are lined up on it and they've been there historically for you know decades upon decades and we're walking around and you know at parts we're outside walking on train tracks that are, are not currently in operation at night and there are deer who sometimes just run across which happens in my performance and you know we progress through the world uh for a while the surrounding area and then we go to into one of the buildings which uh 
I, this building, I, I, my mind is still blown about how much space was actually in it. Uh, like there was a basement with several rooms and then there was a second floor with several doors that like you went into a room and there was another door and you went into a room and it just kept like a very maze-like experience and it was completely done up uh, for interactions and experiences. And uh, what I really enjoyed about all of the interactions I had with the performers were that First off, there were some really fantastic performers uh, featured there, some really great local talent. But everything was very engaging in regards to exploring, you know, both the narrative, but also definitely making a very cognitive cognitive effort to reflect back on me. Like everything left Hmm. me with a thought-provoking idea about who I am and my history and how I would interact. It, who while, you are as as a as an actual person who Patrick is or who oh, you were in the story. I could I play later as an audience member. You know, um so it, it, it did get a little muddy there in the the second half in regards to kind of interaction. Was I still just a dreamwalker who was tr- gonna try to figure out what was going on and help Chloe, or was I Patrick having an interaction specifically with her dreams? I had a very cool tarot reading that was very illuminating about who I am, and then it was simply just related to what the action was going on. Okay. So it did oscillate a little bit in regards to that, but either way, every interaction I had was narratively rewarding or personally rewarding. Do you, do you feel like the focus was on the story or and like on was Chloe firmly the protagonist or were you the protagonist or were you co-protagonists? I would say I was primarily the ta- uh, protagonist with the audience in regards to we meet, meet Chloe very early on, but then we work with other entities, other dreamwalkers, or interact with uh, um, memories of like her her grandparents or parents and so on that people she knows to try to suss out what really is the heart of the matter. What is she struggling with? So in many ways, it's like Chloe's like, I'm struggling with this with learning this history along with a moment of myself and that's conveyed she doesn't actually spell it out and say it which thankfully thank god uh you know you got to piece it together and pay attention uh and then you kind of have to pay attention and pick up on the clues does is the family really did they really know the cleveland torso murderer did was it just a pure happenstance accident um, what really is Chloe struggling with? Why is it really unearthed her? So you spend time interacting to learn more so that at the end of the experience, the audience comes back together and we try to wake her up from these nightmares, from from all of the terrible things that she's thinking about to hopefully give her the opportunity to move on. All right. Do, do, me, do me a favor here. Could you put this in, and maybe not, too expansively, but could you put this in context of sort of where in the spectrum of other things you've seen uh, this fits? Not in terms of like, well, how good is it compared to? But in terms of like, I'm I'm getting hints of like, there's some high narrative agency happening in this. There's there's uh-huh. some spectacle going on. Like, 
you know, how many, which of the disciplines of immersive are really emphasized here? And, and is I there see. any, yeah. And is there anything that, that this particularly stands out as, as exemplary? Yeah. So I would say that this was a very engaging on rails experience where you are allowed moments of very specific pointed agency. You know, you can't walk around and just interrupt interaction. You know, you wait for your cue, you pay attention to the surrounding environment. And through that interaction, you then are moved along and continue onward uh, in regards to the finale. So in many ways, you know, if I'm if it was me and two other people in the room, as long as one of us is engaging with the performer, the story will move on. I am not always personally needed to move the story along uh, one way or the other. Kevin, are, are you're, you're tapped in right now, right? Kevin might not be tapped in right now. I was going to ask him if it, it, this sounds to me a little like the kind of work that either the Speakeasy Society or John Braver's Delusion does in that, you know, the, the narrative has to progress. Then there's some activity required by the audience to move the narrative forward, but you're still getting a pretty focused story. Something, yes. something as dare I say a little cinematic. Yeah, absolutely. There were definitely, cause at one point having then going, going through the second time, knowing a certain piece of information about a questionable doctor, you walk into a room, the first time you walk into the room, there's tarps up and you think the tarps are maybe there to just kind of mask, you know, the stuff that lives in that room all the time. But then going in the second time and meeting with this very suspicious doctor, it's like, oh my God, why are there tarps up all this room? I do not want to be in this room with this man. Um. Mm. You know, so, you, you know, it's it, I think that was another thing in regards to very cinematic quality is that uh, I, I even said I was really I actually wanted to see it a third time after I raced back to see if I could try to get a ticket. They were sold out to see it for the last performance, because each time having done it the first time and then a second time, I kept getting more out of it. I made more connections. I noticed more details. Uh, it's definitely an experience. The, the more you do it, the more you get out of it, too. That's always good to hear that, that there's layers going on in the mm-hmm. work. Um, this was like your first major show post vaccine, right? Yes. This was actually also my first in-person show uh, um, since <laughs> yesteryear. Yeah. I can't even I- remember now. Bef- before we, before we uh, have Kevin talk about uh, Brassroots District here in L.A., uh, talk to that, talk on that for a second. Like, how did it feel to be, uh, back in the game? It felt really great. Uh, I think what made it really easier for, um, this experience is that majority of the time you are outside or you are in a very small, uh, group of people. I thought, um, Shadow of the Run did a really great job in conveying the actors are completely vaccinated. Uh, you know, we have complimentary masks. If you want to wear a mask, please wear a mask. Um, at one point in the, my first show, there was a gentleman, an older gentleman with a wet cough that kind of made me a little nervous. And I put my mask on and no one had a problem with it. 
um especially when i you know we got to like there was a at the very end the show ended in a basement but it felt really good and i i think another credit to the performances was that everyone wanted to be there at least to the performers and some of the audience too like they definitely wanted to come out and have that interaction to see someone live in front of them uh moving a narrative forward and trying to emotionally engage with them, whether it was directly in a, a, a direct interaction or passively through a, you know, a more staged moment. And it was, it was really great. And it, it was definitely just for that sense, it was worth the, uh, the, the 12 hour ride round trip. All right. Well, there, there you go. That's an actually, before we jump to me, I wanted to ask Patrick one thing because I thought he made a really uh, interesting point in his in his capsule about how this is kind of like a small market work. It's not in a normal like it's not in Chicago or LA or New York. It's in Cleveland. Um, I thought there's a really interesting point, so I wanted you to speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I, you know, I definitely do talk about with you know. I think Noah, we've talked about it very passively and stuff like that. But you know, uh, I. Even though I am in Chicago and it is the third largest city here in America, um, you know, I, you know, you sometimes both, both, both in all forms of art and all ways of life, Chicago does get the flyover treatment to a certain degree, right? Like, you know, it, that's just the way it is. You know, the big, the big ten points are in New, uh, New York City and L.A. and rightfully so to a certain degree. But having been here and engaging. And getting involved with no proscenium, I've discovered so many fascinating uh, performances and engaging stories and thought-provoking artists uh, just in my city alone. And then to to go to Cleveland and uh, take part in this experience, like uh, you know, Shadow of the Run, I think is they're doing really amazing work. Like you know. Uh, and I think it's really important that in many ways, you know, we always talk about growing the community and engaging more and expanding. And, uh, you know, whether this, whether we, whether work is happening and we just don't know about it, who's to say, but I think it's, you know, I, I, it's really important to engage and try to call out uh, really great regional work that's happening. Like I, I think about also, um, my brother lives in Texas, and frankly, I'm tr- going to plan a trip to go see him just solely so that I can go see um, Strange Bird, uh, Immersives, <laughs> you know, the man. Oh, shoot. What is the name of that show? The Man from who, Beyond. The Man Beyond. Yes, I kept, kept wanting to say who, the Houdini, but, like, they're doing great work, and, you know, they're out there uh, uh, in Texas doing things, and there's just got to be more of us out there. And I think in regards to get more people involved and stop having immersive theater be the thing where it's like, Oh, what's this interesting thing you're doing? Oh, that, that sounds fun. Like I have theater, you know, storefront theater colleagues here in Chicago who still look at immersive theater as, Oh, that weird kitschy thing you do. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not some weird kitschy thing. It is a, a legitimate engaging form of performance work and live entertainment it is just not something that you stumble into or it's just for a niche audience this is for everyone and there are stories being told for everyone and i think shadow of the run is doing all of that they are creating uh, engaging work for their local community 
to get them out and going and exploring more things. So then hopefully if those people move or travel, they're seeing other cool work and they're talking about it. And then they're getting people to then come to the next show and bringing more groups. And I think that's just so important to the growth of our industry as a whole. I, on the note about Chicago, like it does not surprise me because of, because of how strong Chicago's storefront theater, you know, history is, you know, you've got that, you know, history that stretches through Steppenwolf and back and like this real strong identity. It doesn't surprise me that immersive is kind of thing is like, Oh, that thing, you know, because Chicago, Chicago, at least in, in my day, like, you know, that's where you went to go be an actor. You know, if yes. you wanted, if you wanted, you know, maybe you'd be a star in New York, but if you wanted to be an actor, you went to Chicago. So, um, yeah, you know, nothing wrong with that, but definitely makes the road for our world. You know, what are you, what are you weirdos doing? Go do some mammoth. Gotta go do some mammoth, you know? Or, or uh, worse in here in Chicago, just like the improv elements where, oh, absolutely, you know, yeah. oh, oh, uh, they're talking to me. So that means I can just talk nonstop or engage nonstop. And it's like, oh, if, you know, I just need a suggestion and then you're done. Like, I wish, you know, that that would carry over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe that's actually the thing. It's like, oh, oh, you mean I don't have to stop talking? Uh, it, it, you don't just want a word? Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. We'll talk about that uh, sometime. I want to keep this train moving, though. Um, and Kevin, uh, and 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 remember, at, at the end, we're gonna when we shut off the recorder, we're gonna talk for a couple of minutes uh, with the recorders off in, in private, and and figure out uh, what shall make the show uh, the main show for pick of the week. Uh, so, gonna doing it chopped style this time. Kevin Gossett, LA Reviews editor, talk to us about Brass Roots District. Yeah, so Brassroots is, is a new uh, show that opened up in LA this weekend. It was actually my first in-person show back since being vaccinated, and I think probably since something in like February of last year that I actually went to. Um, the premise for this one is that it's 1973, and you're there to see Brassroots District, which is a funk band opening for Sly and the Family Stones. They try and tie it into some some real-world elements and and the, kind of the what's happening at the time, and the the concert that this band like it's a legitimate band that um i'm not sure the gentleman's name no you know it oh it's are so you know yeah. what, and that's a good that's actually a good point we should preference this one a little bit in that ari herstend who has long been a backer of no pro and and for the record like you know on shadow of the run Ben and Christina are watching us right now. Uh, they too have been backers of, of no proscenium for a while. Uh, the, the real key though is like Ari's name is said every week on the show because he's a sustaining backer of the show. Uh, and it is one of the reasons why, whereas we are, I, I am doing like a podcast piece about the show this week because Ari, you know, it, it's this for the reasons Kevin's about to explain. And then Monica Miklas is directing and, and Monica's, you know, uh, someone who's been working in LA for a very long time. Ari is one of the sustaining backers of no pro. They've contributed a lot over the years as it were. And so I knew I couldn't review. And I was like, Kevin, go do, go do your duty, go do the impartial duty. So here's Kevin's impartial duty. Yeah. So it's, it's a band that I think he formed a couple of years ago. Ari, Ari did. And that's, and it's oh. brought into the, sh I, 
think it's been around because I was looking them up and so that's that's actually a fun thing that's actually a fun thing uh they they they've been working on the project for a few years but i do believe that the band itself is just a couple of months old oh even better than um we'll, we'll get to that in a second so the, the brassers district is at the center of this and it's like they're performing a concert to open for sly and the family stone so that's kind of the the real centerpiece of it is this show that they play from there, it's kind of an open environment. You, they let you in. Um, it was opening night when I went, so a lot of people were dressed in '70s garb, just like decked out to the nines, um, which really helped, like, kind of create the atmosphere. I think they're going for in this kind of parking lot in LA in the summer in '70s. And then from there, they kind of there's characters roaming around. The, you can end up backstage with the band if you talk to the right person. Um, the band manager is there. There's some record execs kind of mulling about um so when i first walked in i was a little worried because it the starts a little a little slow and a little made me a little nervous um but then once it kind of gels and you kind of start to more characters start to filter in and more audience starts to filter in it it starts to take shape and you kind of see what it's doing is so the band comes out to play and then it's it's a funk band and they're really good um i didn't expect that them to be kind of as good as they were. Um, it was really impressive to kind of see this happen. Um, it was just a cool concert experience too. And then they kind of take breaks in their set and you can learn more about them and you kind of follow them around or you can kind of learn what the record exec is up to and what he's trying to get them to sign. Um, there's some like groupies there. There's some other kind of actually like art and like installation stands around where you can purchase legitimate things there's like a tarot reading there's like you can make your own signs you can purchase uh merch for the band or kind of other kind of 70s period um clothing so that's kind of the gist of the event it's pretty simple but i think it it worked really well based on that simplicity because it it let you form enough of a connection with the characters and the band that by the time you got to the end you kind of been on this journey with them and it, it kind of climaxes in this like big performance at the end as they pull the set in, they pull more of the audience in to kind of, they do like a, a soul train and they do a second line because it's based off some stuff they like picked up in Louisiana. Um, and I think that's, that's something you think of as like a concert experience or like a, a club experience or something, but they make it, they twist it a little bit and they, they bring it in an immersive element. Um, and they bring that into the show, and it's it just made for a really like great experience. Um, it was it was fun, it was kind of joyful. It was it was cathartic by the end. Um, yeah, I know. I know I, you went a couple of times. Yeah, I, I, I caught the I caught the dress rehearsal, and I caught uh, and then I had to go back because like. I hadn't put the memory card in the SD reader because I was so exhausted that I forgot to do that part. And, uh, I, I went back to get tape on Sunday. So I caught a Sunday matinee that was uh, admittedly very sparsely attended because it was their opening weekend. Um, but I, I mean, th there are things about the show that I don't want to spoil, right. Um, because of how much fun it is. And, Kevin, I know you and I were talking about, you know, sort of what it, how you found that like what this does to your brain 
So, and I know you, I know, I've had you say this before and on tape <laughs> elsewhere, but I think it was really good to have here on the Review Crew show in particular. Yeah. So, so one thing is, I think of immersive theater and like concerts as like something that affects my brain in the same way. It kind of hits that same center. And I think it's the, the way that crowds like kind of get engaged or they kind of bring people into like this, this all encompassing experience. So I think what this show did, it, it combined the two of those things in a really kind of fun, interesting way. So it kind of tickled the immersive part and the concert part of my brain that, that fit together um, at the same time. And that was just, again, it was really fun. I keep coming back to that word um, and I'll probably say it a few more times on this, on the show, but it's just a fun experience. Um, and and the summer is, yeah. And I think it, you know? <laughs> no, and I, that's exactly what it wants to be. And it, it just nails it. And it's, it's like, Oh, okay. That was, that was just, it was cool. It was well, fun. We really, I want to, I wanted and, and, that. And, and, I needed that. And kind of like with the, in continuity with like Patrick's point about how there, there probably really hasn't been something like the kind of cinematic work uh, that we find in shadow of the run, like in the Midwest, other than the previous show that team did there, there hasn't really been a show like this here in LA. You made that point when we were talking the other night. Yeah. So there's another one is this kind of it, this, this one invites like a big group of people to come, come in to the show and kind of watch it. I'm not sure what the capacity is, but it really just shows that even the capacity in LA kind of keep everybody together. And this one does cause you're in a parking lot. So even if people are talking to characters, you're kind of, can see each other basically um and the point i kind of connected that to was that it's does something similar to immersive gatsby where it kind of has this central area or kind of through line that it brings people audience members back to and splits them off of um as kind of the the main point of the show um and yeah we haven't had anything like that in la and i'm not sure even if there's anything kind of prominent like that in in other cities throughout north america um but I guess the second part of that is it, it kind of makes things like, like Patrick was saying more accessible to people because it felt like a show you can bring people to pretty easily. It's not, you don't need some kind of crazy buy-in on like you're joining a cult and you're going to do this or it's like a horror thing, which is a lot of kind of LA theme kind of does veer into horror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just this kind of like loud, fun party concert experience that is immersive and it, it brings those pieces together in a way that I think people like like us can enjoy but also people that aren't super into immersive um, there were there were three dudes at my at the, at the sunday matinee who i i who came and ate at the same cafe afterwards that i did and i you know struck up a conversation and i was you know just like i was like how did you find out about the show because of course i'm always curious and they had like seen a facebook ad because like they're selling tickets through fever so i'd seen that ad and they were like I was like, what'd you guys think? And they're like, we loved it. Like, this is great. Like, we didn't know what, I didn't know what it was going to be. Like what kind of show it was going to be. Like I've, I've done some stuff that says immersive, but like, I didn't know it was going to be like that. Um, and I was like, oh, well, like give some word of mouth then. Cause like, you know, this stuff lizardized by word of mouth. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. Right on. Cause like people don't know that like the Facebook ads, you know, unless you're spending a lot of money, they don't, they don't do that great. And even then, the conversion rate's not so wonderful. So where the mouth is going to be strong? And the guy was like, I'll go get a date and take a date. <laughs> and, and it's like people, I think people are going to come back and just be like, I'm going to take a date back, you know? And that, and that right there, it's, it's a social thing as much as anything. Really quick. Uh, Cause this is something I, I'm a little curious about and was not clear on 
just from reading about the show, both the listings and the review, how big is the audience? Like you say party and I like, and with the concert and everything, I'm thinking like not, you know, in theory, I know it's not hundreds of people, but um, I'm just curious what the size and the scope of it was. Kevin, how big like, was Saturday night? I'm trying to think it had to be, and maybe it wasn't as many as it, it felt like, but I'd say at least like somewhere between like 75 and hundred people. And maybe that's not actually oh, wow. the capacity, but it, it felt that size. Yeah. The report, the, like the dress rehearsal was a lot smaller. Sunday matinee was a lot smaller. Uh, one thing they, one thing they discovered they could do between dress and the matinee is they've got a couple of like kind of pop-up tent type things like the canopy tents. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got some couches there that they put the people under the couches so they can chill out during the thing. And Based on the size of the expected audience, they set where those are accordingly. So they kind of like change the setup so that down front in the stage feels a little more intimate uh, or always feels like it's the right number of people, um, which I thought was very clever uh, that they they found that. But I think probably, yeah, Kevin, they were saying like about 100 they had on Saturday night. So Kevin's count about 75 to 100. Yeah. Which I have is... seen something that is also a concert. Oh, sorry. Oh, go for it. And I want to say, like, when it does end up as an immersive show with a concert at the end, it's the only time you get to see the cast do a bow. Like, literally. Every other show, it's like, okay, I kick you out now. Yeah, and I don't think the cast actually took a bow for they this one. <laughs> they, they don't. don't. Oh, <laughs> but, but was interesting. The the crowd was so engaged on Saturday night that they called for an encore. Um, oh wow! But the band band didn't have one have one wow. ready. Um, I so. see they have a band. They have a they have an album. It's on Bandcamp. It's five dollars. And apparently, if you if you listen to the bonus tracks or other goodies, you can quote navigate the parking lot and the people you meet. So it seems like they've hidden some like bonus content in this digital album. There's well, there's also there's a phone number you can call. Uh, and let me see if I can like call call that phone. Yeah, here it is. I've if called call... the number. It's great. As someone on the East Coast, hi everyone, managed to come in. Um, everyone, call this number. Trust me on this one. Okay, so three two num- three oh, five have... nine six nineteen seventy three for anyone listening. I'm yes, three, three, two, three. I had already like came in. Oh, Kevin's I thought. Like, I oh, wait. I thought you were gonna actually call it. No, I wasn't gonna call it. Like I, oh, I, I, okay. I, I, I pulled up the number on my on, on my on my Instagram. So yeah, three, two, three, five, nine, six, nineteen seventy three. Uh, totally. As Blake was saying, just just do it. If you haven't done it yet, do it. Do do it. I really um, thought you were gonna patch them in. <laughs> no, that would that would have taken too much. Also, like it's there's there's a substantial amount of material. I'll just say so. Um, and I will also say because uh, this will drop Thursday morning, uh, you will probably hear a few bits of of what's on when you call the the phone number on this week's podcast. So there you go. There's a little preview there. So Kevin, before we roll on uh, to Blake, because. Uh, we, we got to keep the train moving. Uh, got to keep this funky train moving. Uh, anything else you want to you know, call out here on Brassroots District, uh, particularly because, uh, you know, we're going to be going into deliberations after this. Yeah, I think it's just, I don't, 
just like a fun, funky show um, with a cool band that's that's really accessible to like bring people to um, that maybe are not kind of into immersive. And I think it it keeps people engaged. Like again, I people called for a, an encore for the, this band as part of the show, and uh, I, that's just something cool to see with like a bunch of people that maybe not fully bought into immersive to kind of uh, be that engaged by the end of a show. All right, Blake. You are up to bat. What do you have for us this week? This week, I saw the spectacular uh, Dragon Butter. By you are really, Dragon you're Bruce really Young. soft. Can get a little closer to the microphone. So sorry about that. Can you hear me better now? Uh, it's mostly distorting. Uh, do you uh, have? Hold on can... one second. Let me try yes. an alternate mic. Yeah, set 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 your settings a little bit because I don't can... I don't want it to be all. Gobbledygook. Can you hear me now? Any yeah, better at all? Of, uh, a little bit better. We'll call this one better. Sorry about that. I can try to speak loud and clear. Um, yeah, you're, you're, coming, you're, coming, you're coming in great now, Blake. Great. Fantastic. Um, let me just close the door. I don't want to bug my roommates. Uh, <laughs> hi. Yes. I saw Brian Sanders' Dragon Butter and loved every minute of it. All right, what what is this? So Dragon Butter is Brian Sanders' new show uh, with his junk troupe out of Philadelphia, inspired by his time in quarantine playing video games all the time. And so it's this mixture of his typical avant-garde dance, um, incorporating all these odd physical elements that have been recycled or created from scrap metal, but done through this lens of this sort of wacky portal-esque mad science experiment throughout this giant warehouse space in the Northern Liberties neighborhood of Philadelphia. And so when you arrive, show starts the minute you're on the street as everyone is given walkie-talkies and sort of brought in by people in white coats playing the scientists of the facility that you're going to be touring, where sinister 1980s genetic experimentation used to happen. And you go from room to room with light game elements like scavenger hunts for EXP granting items or a quick round of laser tag halfway through the show, seeing these spectacular dance pieces And the whole thing has a very gamic structure that you're doing something very similar to Dark Souls, where paths keep looping back in on themselves and you don't realize where you were. And honestly, the big kind of highlight of it all was just how accessible this made what was, at the end of the day, an avant-garde dance piece. I love hearing that avant-garde dance pieces are leveraging all of the wacky <laughs> gamification tricks that that come in through our world that just makes me absolutely giddy it was yeah, giddy is very much the right word you know the whole thing has this very tongue-in-cheek um sense wry sense of humor about both an ai gone wrong that's kind of executing all these defenses for the lab you know releasing the lizard people who are 
who the lab has developed, who are all dancers in morph suits rolling around or dropping from the ceiling. But, you know, you're also getting the odd personality of the scientist who developed it. And so kind of the big one of the big highlights of the evening. I don't want to spoil the finale other than to say that there is actual literal combat with one of the dancers. But one one big highlight of the show is right in the center. You come across the opposite of a sensory deprivation chamber, a sensory overstimulation chamber, which does a really gorgeous dance piece. The room is filled with sand and the walls are covered in television static. And the dancers are both hanging from the ceiling and frolicking through a partially submerged catwalk, splashing the audience as they go. And it just was a way of grounding something very abstract in a very tangible procedural way and giving it a sense of humor that made it not seem like it was taking itself too seriously. I loved every minute of it. You said, and I don't want to spoil anything. You said combat with one of the dancers. Yes. Do you mean combat? Okay. But between who? Between the audience and I'll just say one of the creatures. Um, There is no risk to the audience's safety. Uh, The safety protocols are great. Um, I I suppose I can give it a little bit more because a lot of the reviews have been discussing it. But if you're spoiler averse, turn off now. Yeah. And like, and I don't think, I don't think a lot of people, I mean, I guess this is going to be running at like the fringe out there or going to run to other fringes or it's going to, it's, it's, it's it's not going to leave Philly, right? This is not going to leave Philly. This is going, um, the July run is sold out, I believe. But there is going to be a September run at the Philly Fringe. So I am strongly encouraging everyone I know who's coming to that to get tickets. Great. So if you're a Philly native or you're going to be in Philly at the time, uh, plug your ears until the end of this. Uh, and in fact, this is the last one. Just like switch off now. So uh, t- tell us about how this combat works, because I'm, I'm, bo- I'm mildly concerned, not really intrigued as to how the mechanics works. So the dragon butter of the title refers to a Dr. Moreau-esque hybrid of a human that's been infused with the DNA of both a dragonfly and a butterfly to create a horrific monstrosity to chase away intruders. Remember how I mentioned that there were EXP-granting items and tasks throughout the entire adventure? Mm. At the end of the evening... The path loop backs into the company store that you started in, and depending on how much EXP you got, you are given upgrades. I was very lucky. I got a lot of EXP and was granted a paintball gun to shoot at the dancer from the parapets. The dancer is in full armor. Oh my uh, god. Other people got um, kind of sponges soaked in Nickelodeon gack. Uh, a few people got huge Sweet. Nerf guns. And okay. so this final dance piece of this really spectacular dancer, uh, who I feel terrible that I'm forgetting her name, but it's she's okay. both on stilts and in an aerial harness with huge wings, okay. sort of swooping around this giant space in the warehouse, this two-story room. 
everyone just opens fire on her for the end of the show. And it's all this sort of surreal summer camp pastiche of alien, but done with spectacular dance, original techno music, and this really joyful sense of energy. That sounds fantastic and definitely answers my question. So I think repeat we lost Craig. The- it we, was we too did. intense. We, like it's okay. We, we yeah. Let's 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 set that aside for a second because it'll just confuse everybody listening later. Um, the uh, r- remind everybody the name of the show and where they find it. The show is called Dragon Butter. It's going to be playing at the Philadelphia Fringe Festival. You can find links to it uh, on. And we lost Blake. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you, if nothing else, directory. You, yeah. uh, although, don't quote me on that one. Um, we won't be able to but, quote you on it because we lost it anyway. So, the good news is is that your capsule review is on the review rundown this week, and that will lead you lead anyone to the show page at Junk's website. So, people will be able to get tickets for the show. We have entered into that period where we're starting to have technical difficulties. So we're going to stop what we're doing so that we can have a decent night and not fight the machines forever. And everyone who's going to be listening to this in the podcast feed uh, won't, won't be bothered by all that. So Kevin, Patrick, Blake, Catherine, thank you all so much for this week. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I literally moved up to Philly a day early just to see this show. So happy to share it with the world. Fantastic. Uh, on, and with that, uh, the four of you meet me in my office because we've got a pick to make.